Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Up next on Inside the SCCA, time trials, road racing, sim racing, and more. Our guest today is a voice many of you will be familiar with. For the last several years, he's been part of the Hoosier Super Tour radio team. He's broadcasted from several uh, runoffs. He's now the voice of the 2022 TireRack.com SCCA Time Trials National Tour, presented by Haggerty Behind the Wheel. Our guest has been racing since 2003. He was named the Washington, D.C. Region Rookie of the Year. He's primarily competed in the Mars Series in his ITA Honda CRX and later a Honda Civic. Then he went to the runoffs in 2010 after he won a couple or a bunch of national races that year at STU. He's found himself on multiple majors podiums in each production. In addition to racing, he's also served as D.C. Region's Board of Directors. He was a member of, of the its club racing committee. Originally from the Washington, D.C. area, he now calls Charlotte, North Carolina home. Our guest, Greg Ginsburg. Hello, my friend. Hello, my friend. How are you doing this evening? I am good. It's uh, it's a little late where you're at, uh, but but it's it's a little early here, so not so bad. Um, welcome. I've been wanting to have you on the podcast here for quite some time. I'm glad we were finally able to get it to work. Absolutely. Uh, so so a whole bunch of news that we're going to get to later, which I'm excited about for you. But uh, let's start where I like to start with everybody. How did you get involved with this crazy stuff? How did I get involved? Well, you know, I think like a lot of people my my age, um, well, my my age then when I got started, uh, I bought myself a sports car, part of the IT boom, had a lot of disposable income, and uh, like a lot of like-minded uh, people in their early to mid-20s tried to find some better outlet than drag racing from stoplight to stoplight. And uh, having lived in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, at uh, Summit Point Raceway, or now known as Summit Point Motorsports Park, they had their Friday at the Track program, mm. uh, where you could bring your street car out. This is a, I I started doing this in uh, like the mid to late nineties. Okay, uh, and uh, uh, and. Some of the instructors that I had had been uh, racers with the Sports Car Club of America. And, you know, they somewhat, I'd say they actually groomed me to move out of just doing track days. Um, you know, I, 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 I look at it like, uh, and I, I look at, at folks that I had instructing me, like a Dave Parker or a Kenny Zollner, um, folks that were doing this, you know, coming out and instructing out of the kindness of their heart because they loved being behind the wheel. They loved being at a racetrack. They loved helping uh, uh, grow uh, grow the 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 interest in motorsports, and uh, I, I mean it really just grew. I I went from being a student to an instructor at the Friday at the track. So I gave, had my chance to give back, and I'll tell you the way I actually got into road racing is I uh, like some people might have gotten a little bit of red mist, might have uh, might have over over uh, extended myself, not the car, but myself, uh, and. Uh, might have had a very large off and um frankly destroyed a uh, destroyed a street car uh and uh 
instead of using the insurance money towards a, a replacement streetcar, uh, because I won't get into the story about how the insurance company actually, <laughs> how and why they reimbursed me for this uh, for this car, but I might have. Um, I might have took the some of the money that I got back from the insurance company and sunk it into building a race car. <laughs> the irony is that you're now the voice of the 2022 uh, SCCA Time Trial Nationals Tour presented by Haggerty. As, so, as they say, do as I say, <laughs> not as I do. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So what was that first race car? Uh, the first race car was a Honda CRX. Okay. And uh, uh, maybe as a harbinger of things to come, it never actually made it to its first race weekend. Um, mm. I had I went to my first driver's school back then in the SCCA. You needed uh, typically two weekends uh, right. uh, of uh, of schooling in order to get your competition license. Right, uh, right. My friend, uh, my former Friday at the Track instructor, Dave Parker, uh, he and his wife, Terry, uh, graciously put me into their ITB Volkswagen Golf to go to my first driver's school, uh, where I was. Uh, I, I actually, I think I came in. I came in in the the, the little mini race that they have at the end of the school. I finished fourth, and that is only because, uh, well, I I was more or less in my group the fastest driver out there. I had had probably more experience and more seat time than any of my fellow competitors. So they put me at the back of about a thirty car field, and you have. You have like three uh, practice starts right, and then right. uh, and then a, a five or a ten lap race, and well, on my 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 second practice start, uh, I decided that that Dave's golf that had a a, a locked differential, it would be fine if it had two wheels in the grass, uh, and I drove all the way down the inside of the the front straight from uh, uh, at some point from I think seventeenth. Uh, to the lead before he ever got to turn one. Uh, and so uh, when they brought us back around, well, they moved me to the back again. Nice. <laughs> it's Very a, don't, nice. Don't, don't do, do that, that again. again. Yeah. So, uh, but, but so the first race car, um, I, I, I spent all winter working on it again with this insurance company and a great friend of mine uh, and a great uh, Honda mechanic. And we, we, we debuted the car at my second driver's school where, um, well, as much as much institutional knowledge as there is about Honda CRXs in IT racing, uh, apparently I got the shock set up a little wrong, and uh, not being an experienced driver, you know that whole thing about front-wheel drive cars when you get into trouble, mm -hmm. just mat the throttle. Went through turn ten, didn't do it. Flipped the car three times. Uh, got to watch an RX-7 spin directly in front of me as he was too busy watching me rather than the track ahead of him. Uh, and, uh, that, that begat a, uh, a, um, a search for a new tub and building up a new car. I actually, you know, as you mentioned, I, I, I took home the, the, uh, the rookie of the year award that year, 2003 from the Washington DC region. I didn't start mm -hmm. my season until Mars five to about the middle of the season, because I spent the whole first half of the season furiously trying to rebuild a race car that I had spent a year building prior <laughs> to that. And, uh, and so that's, that's how we, we, we got off to a very ignominious start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and for those of the, those folks who aren't from the Northeast or the mid Atlantic region, that Mars series is extremely competitive. At least it, it was in the ITs, you know, there, there used to be, I guess I, I remember 30, 35, 40 IT cars on a race weekend. Uh, absolutely. And is it still that strongly subscribed uh, in it, IT? Cause I know IT is kind of seeing a, a downturn recently 
Uh, it, it has in the last couple of years. And uh, I'll tell you, and I might want to just mention and, and throw out a name here. Uh, just tonight, uh, the SECA awarded a number of road racing awards. And one of the road racing awards they handed out uh, was the John McGill Award for uh, uh, for contributions to the SECA road racing program. And Frank Schwartz out of the Detroit region won that. He turned around the, the B-Spec class a right. couple of years ago from almost, uh, especially after Pirelli World Challenge dropped the, the TCB which was the the pro racing equivalent uh from their program uh it was it was in jeopardy of being dropped from from SCCA uh majors and super tour racing and from the runoffs and he cha- he he basically shepherded this class to the point where they had over 50 cars uh, at Indianapolis yep, this year yep. for the runoffs he's trying to do the same thing for IT now uh Frank had been a uh, uh an ITC Ford Fiesta driver for a number of years before he jumped to other classes and uh but yes yeah, certainly you know the, the hotbeds of IT racing uh, were always on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, the, some pockets in the Middle Atlantic, very heavily populated down in the Southeast Division, especially uh, Northern Florida, or actually the Central Florida region, I think was always right. very big. But uh, it, it's fallen on hard times. Some of it, uh, there's some classing changes, uh, not in IT, but in uh, in the SECA. I would say that the, the super touring light class has maybe taken away a lot of drivers uh, from that category, and so you know, there's there are some people trying and trying their best to to boost that up. When I was racing in the Mars series and and on the uh, club racing committee, um, or what used to be known as the competition committee uh, of the Washington D.C. region, I had been the driver's rep for ITA, and and when I started out, we typically had somewhere around 35, 40 ITA cars. Uh, at every week, uh, every every race weekend, and, and I'll tell you, we, we go back to you know how I started off that first season, um, uh, that very first season. Uh, about halfway through the season, I remember my very first race. I was racing against uh, James Evans, who uh, had been the class winner the year before, who had finished I think second or third at the American Road Race of Champions, which was considered to be the IT national championship. championship yep. Yeah, held at uh, held at Road Atlanta each year, hosted by the Atlanta region. And I finished fifth in that race and against a field of about 40 drivers. And I mean, it was more than getting the win. I mean, there was just that sense of accomplishment. I didn't get my first win in the Mars series until the very last race of the following season. And frankly, I wouldn't have won if the driver who had been leading on the very last lap uh, hadn't overheated, uh, hadn't lost a radiator Mm. going down into turn one. I guess he picked up some stones or something along those lines. Right, right. You know, he had maybe ten car lengths on me, but I'll tell you, when I when I got past him, and I looked behind, and there was nobody for about fifteen car lengths behind me. Just uh, the fact that the fact that I was able to finish that very last lap was uh, just absolutely stunning and amazing to me because I, awesome. I I was shaking long before <laughs> I ever got to the checkered flag. That's pretty cool. One of the other things I think that's hurt it a lot is that when the production classes started accepting tin tops and a lot of hondas specifically went into h production and and that was probably the biggest uh car manufacturer that 
the manufacturer had nothing to do with it, but but right. but the, that was the group of cars that made that switch. And there, there are Hondas and Volkswagens, Volkswagens very heavily in, in each production as exactly, well. Exactly, you know. So that's I think is also part of what's happened with the IT class because out here there's no IT cars. I mean, right. they're they're all doing something else. I'm guessing. And yeah. I was really surprised when I came out here to the first race weekend is that you know I I knew that they were down, but I I expected a couple. <laughs> sure, and so. you know, and I'll and I'll tell you, you know, I I think uh, obviously I think tastes in race cars and and what what drivers or what car builders want out of their race car have changed. And, you know, the SCCA, I think in some regards has been known for um, having these very rigid de delineations between the different categories. And so when I started racing in SCCA in 2003, not only that, I was running um, with what was known then as the East Coast Honda Challenge, which was okay. with, with uh, another organization. Uh, and at the same time, there was an East Coast Honda Challenge. There was a West Coast Honda Challenge oh. as well, run by that organization, which had very very large fields on both on both sides of the coast now though that those categories i think actually there is still an east coast honda challenge but i mean it's nowhere near to the right. extent because we were getting 30 35 cars now it was different as opposed to 30 or 35 ita cars there were 30 or 35 cars across four different classes but um, when you had big events like Hyperfest or what have you, it was, you know, it, it was something for a younger generation that, uh, you know, to bring out cars that that I think were more in line with what they expected to see on the street or what they wanted right. to build for the street. Well, it, engine swaps, what have you. It was that. And, and then also people also, I think, kind of forget the original intent of IT when it was first introduced. It was introduced as a place for showroom stock cars yes. who had a six year lifespan. Uh, Which the, was the, then expanded to, I think, 10. But even that, you know, these yeah. were race cars that were ready to go racing. But when they got to the end of their SCCA life, there was no place to go race them. You know, and, and they couldn't go to production right. cars because they weren't allowing sedans and and or newer cars. So, so SCCA came up with this idea of improved touring so that you could essentially just take your showroom stock car, right. do nothing to it, and show up and race and improve touring. Sure. And that was the original intent. Well, then showroom stock went away, so now all the feeder exactly. cars were gone. That, so and I was just going to mention that with with uh, with the showroom stock be getting tor the touring classes T one through T four right. and really being no discernible age cutoff for the right. cars like a five or a ten years, right. uh, you know that feeder system um, has has disappeared at this point. And and frankly, to to at at this current limit, some of the cars in I guess what you would consider to be the the slowest of the touring classes T four actually have a higher performance envelope than what you find in some of the fastest IT categories. Right. And so that's that's been the other challenge, I think, um, is finding a way to class some of these newer cars with it, without disenfranchising existing racers. Because, I mean, in the end, you can't only class, you know, non-turbocharged, basically like your equivalent of B-spec cars nowadays right, right. In, in IT. Because, frankly, the majority of, of the cars that are being sold and are finding themselves on the open market and maybe have enough depreciation so that it makes sense to purchase them and build them in the race cars, they just have that higher performance envelope right. than a majority of the existing um, uh, cars that, are already, that have already been classed and are being raced. 
So let's let's change gears. Something okay. we like to do here on a regular basis, and and the last several years, are you driving still when you can? Because you're doing so, a lot of other stuff. Yeah, I am, and 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 it's uh, it's been now. Uh, I guess we're entering 2022, so it's now actually. Uh, I hate to admit it, but it's been about four years uh, since I've been behind the wheel of the race car. I've been here in Charlotte since uh, September 2019. My race cars, multiple, plural, actually more than, uh, there are three of them, uh, they are all in storage, more or less right across the street from Summit Point Raceway. Got it, got uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> and and in their ver- and they're in various states of disrepair that they need work they need help I'm here they're there so it's it's it. been somewhat difficult so what you have been doing though for the last four years is you've been traveling around the country yes and 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 being part of the team that's been broadcasting our our super tour series and I uh, listened to that and you and Bob Steele and, and that whole gang. I think you were the original Super Tour broadcast team, right? The, that is correct. Uh, actually, neat, uh, kind of a neat story how we how we started. And I, and I think I think you had uh, Bob Steele on uh, previously, but uh, uh, Bob Steele, Mike Wolf and myself were announcing races at Summit Point, uh, Summit Point Raceway. And uh, at uh, we had uh, somewhat of the uh, it was actually known as a super tour, but before the the Hoosier Super Tour was in place, uh, the SCCA had I believe BF Goodrich uh, as the sponsor, and they had maybe four or five super tour races um, around the country over the course of the year. There was no nothing all that special about them, other than the SCCA helped put on a much bigger party on Saturday right. nights. Yeah, I think they uh, were trying to pick at the time these premier races, the June Sprints, I think, were one of exactly. them. There was one at the Mars, a, a right. Mars race that they kind of beefed up to a super tour. It, it, it was the, the national race that was typically at Summit Point, and I think they were at Watkins Glen. And they came and... out west for at least one race. So, yeah. yep, yep. Yeah, and, and so... Uh, the PR folks, uh, I, we had uh, Jim Llewellyn uh, from SCCA uh, in, uh, up in the announce booth with us more or less all weekend. He was uh, doing his, uh, uh, his press releases and everything, writing them up, and he was there. He could see and hear what was going on in the race. It was the best view, viewpoint of the track, but he could also hear us uh, all weekend long. And uh, I guess when, when SCCA was looking to... Uh, to expand upon this super tour concept and actually create uh, more of a, a national series. Uh, the, I believe Jim made a suggestion. Uh, I know that at one point, uh, uh, some of the folks in Topeka had uh, received feedback, I think, from uh, Jack Burroughs, who was, uh, who was the regional executive of the Washington, D.C. region at the time. And I think he was running, at that point, he was running for the board of direct, the, the national board of directors, uh, but had a lot of feedback. And, you know, I, I don't have any idea about the business aspects of it. I let Bob handle all of that mercifully and thankfully. Um, but uh, in December, or I guess, yeah, well, December of, of uh, 2016, Bob said, hey, um, in about three weeks, uh, we're going on the road. We're going down the Sebring. <laughs> Pack your bags, and uh, and we started uh, for the the 2017 season. And and I think as as Bob explained to you, I mean, we were frankly uh, as as we basically had to stand up a radio station, break down a radio station every single week. And frankly, because we had really no time to test some of the methods that we were going to use, which were 
fairly new. I mean, we obviously don't have the money of a, you know, an NBC or a PRN or anybody else. This is is SCCA road racing, of course. Um, You know, we were more or less learning on the fly and adjusting how we did things and how we, uh, the technology that we used literally from week to week or race to race weekend and from season to season. Right, right. So... You know, so you've had a really interesting experience, and this is something I want to talk about. You've been, I'm going to say, lucky enough to travel to races all around the country, work with lots of different regions, yeah. see lots of different racetracks, meet many different drivers. You have an SCCA experience that's really kind of unique, and 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 tell me what that's been like. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and it runs the gamut. It's the racers. It's the volunteers. Uh, it's some of the, the, the staff at some of the tracks because, obviously, we needed technical assistance and help when we would show up in an event. Of course, you know, Bob obviously would be calling ahead and trying to arrange some of the logistics at a particular track long before we ever got there. But, again, a lot of the things were done on the fly. But, you know, you it, it really seemed to me like an extension of any time that I was at a Mars race or I was at a national at Summit Point or at VIR um, where you, you, you get to know the drivers. Um, you know, we weren't bringing them up into the booth for interviews all the time, but you're walking, you're walking the paddock. You're getting stories. You're not just learning from the drivers. You know, when I'm out and, and as, as we're doing, doing the announcing, we're not all sitting in, in a, a, a broadcast booth in a, in a tower. I was usually trackside mm-hmm. uh, or as close to trackside as, as I could get based on what track management and, and the, the SCCA stewards would allow. And so you get to know, you get to know the flaggers that are, that are standing at the corner, you know, standing right. by the corner and they're in the pagoda right near where you are. Or, you know, we're having lunch with all the work, you know, we're just sitting down at the table having lunch every day with all the volunteers. You know, you get to know so many people, you get to hear these stories, you get to find out, you know, what makes them tick. I, I mean, one of the greatest uh, things uh, for a lot of the races and at a lot of the tracks, you know, certainly the the Saturday night social mm-hmm. um, to talk some more or, you know, I'll tell you at the runoffs, uh, when we were at the runoffs in 2019 at Virginia International Raceway, uh, we were much like a lot of the volunteers. Uh, we were camping. We were spending the nights in worker camping. So we're sitting back and, you know, in front of the the little, you know, the little baby fire and grilling some burgers and dogs and, you know, shooting the you know what until two in the morning. Right. Uh, which explains why I had no voice at the end of, at the end of the week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, it's it was it's just such a it's always been a a a great experience that uh, you know. Uh, the other thing, and I'll, and I'll tell you as we get along to what I'm going to be doing for this year, you know, I, I went on Facebook and I basically a couple weeks ago, just before this first Super Tour event at Sebring went on and, you know, and announced, hey, look, I'm not doing the Super Tour this year, but I'm, I've got this other great new gig. And I have been getting messages, uh, text messages, emails, Facebook messages from so many uh, drivers, from crew members, from team owners, uh, from volunteers, you know, uh, uh, one wishing me well, but also it was funny after Sebring saying, hey, you know, we missed you, mm-hmm. um, which is, 
you know, it's a cool thing. It's, you know, it's like when you go to the racetrack and some guy that you've raced against for 10 years, suddenly he's not there for the big race and you don't necessarily know why. And again, you know, it's amateur racing sure. and maybe, maybe family got in the way, but, <clears throat> but you reach out and you find out, Hey, how you doing? Is right. everything okay? And, you know, and it's the same feeling here. It's, uh, it's it's really been enlightening for me. It's always been interesting to me, and and I haven't done it on the scale that you have as far as going race to race to race. But w- the things that we do when we're behind that microphone really affect people, and and not, yeah. I mean not like affect people, but you know it means a lot to folks sometimes when you mention your their name on on yeah. uh, on the PA system, or you know when I put up my podcast from our races at Button Willow, and and. And it's really interesting to me how someone will walk up to me in the paddock and say, you know, and, and first, usually it's you sp- pronounce my name wrong. And that's a running joke because I am <laughs> I, I should show you a message I got from somebody who spent uh, this past weekend with you in worker camping at, uh, at Buttonwillow. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, so, probably, I think he's from Ohio. Anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's funny. Oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, yeah, so uh, Thomas Guest, I think, yeah, is his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good guy, uh, good guy, military man, and yep. uh, an awesome, awesome guy. So, so yeah, but it's always interesting to me. You, you think nobody's listening? Well, they're yeah. listening, you know. And and so I really enjoy that. And 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 you have a passion for the sport. Bob has I a do. passion for the sport. I have a passion for the sport, you know. And you can tell that the group of core people who are doing this announcing, you know, whether it be with you guys or or what I'm doing, is we, we've been around this block for a long, long time, yeah. you know. And and because you've been able to travel around the country, because I've lived in so many areas, I've been involved with so many regions, you know, either traveling to races as from from a nearby region or living in all these different regions. It's 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 the people. People, you meet, and and it's been really cool doing the podcast because you know I'm having you on the podcast today, partly because I saw that you've got this new gig, but but the second part is you and I knew each other 20, 15 years ago. Yeah, I, I was going to say I, I think the the first time we met was uh, the Washington D.C. region, as it had done for many many years, uh, had a large exhibition area at the Washington D.C. Auto oh, Show, that's which, right. I th- which I think is going on right now. And uh, I had been tasked by the the board of directors. Uh, it had been handled for years by by somebody else. So basically, a making sure that we have you know uh, uh, we have members vehicles there in this very large uh, exhibition area. I think we had that year somewhere close to like forty or forty five different vehicles from across road racing from solo. Uh, uh, I think we had some uh, Formula SAE. Uh, vehicles there from University of Maryland. And then, uh, and, and I'm not a staffing guy. I don't write, you know, I, I always, you know, somebody put me on a on a schedule. I showed up when they told me to be there. I now had to, to over the course of an entire week, uh, uh, go and schedule up when we had people from, you know, from the region that could man the booth and basically market SCCA and market the DC region. And uh, I mean, to the point where I think that was the year I, I had actually put together uh, 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 questionnaires on mm-hmm. tablets for people to fill out to make it easier for us oh, to yeah. track yep. how to track, um, you know, uh, and get their contact information so that we could follow up sure. and and get them to events. 
so you know and i think that again i think that's that's when we met and of course that was on the crossroads and i think before you know maybe a, a couple of years before you you had west right um but right. uh i mean it was great i mean you were side by side with me i don't know how many days that week and i think it even snowed a it couple did. of the days there it we did. were trapped down there well and it's it's <laughs> crazy because in years before that when i'd moved to new york and you, the, the funniest story was, and you know, different regions have pluses and minuses. Some of them are really good at, at, at reaching out to new people. Some are really good at running races. Not, But, you know, a lot of it has to do with the amount of people they have and everything. So I moved to New York, and, and I had a hard time finding a region who'd return my phone call. You know, and in the Northeast, there's the New York region, there's Northern New Jersey region, there's New England region, and I, I didn't know what region I was going to go and become a member of. Right. I knew I was going to become a member of one of them, and I I couldn't uh, I couldn't figure out because I you know just wasn't working out. So I called Stan Watland, and I'd met Stan at the runoffs, Stan and Shirley, so many people. times, and and I said Stan, and I think at the time he was the new Northeast Divisional Administrator for Flagging Communications, and I said, can you give me a name of someone who will actually talk to me, you know, and return my phone call at that time because we didn't have, we may have had email. Gosh, that's a long time ago. <laughs> doesn't mean doesn't mean he'd know how to use. <laughs> right. Well, that's true. That's true. But so so he goes. Well, you know, I can help you out with that. But why don't you come down to Summit Point this weekend for the driver school? And yeah. I'm like, sure, I'll come down. So I drove down to the driver school. Lost my wedding ring that weekend. That's a whole oh, other story. Found it. I left it at the hotel, and the maid did not take, keep it. She oh, actually Lord. turned it in. I was so impressed. And uh, so I go down, and it was the coldest weekend. And, you know, it, I, I believe it snowed or it rained or it rained and it snowed. It was so much fun. But it's just like it's a family. And Stan helped me get to where I needed to go and, and you know, introduced me to the folks at northern New Jersey region, which is my first home up there. And then eventually I transferred to New York region when they asked me to be their flag chief. And I figured I should probably be part of that region if I'm going to be their flag chief. And and it's just it's, it's so many. It's people. And, and I just love that. Yeah. And. I just wanted to get your impressions of, yeah. of that same – see if you had the same experience I had. Yeah, you know, and I'll tell you, and, and you meant, as we've talked off and on a little bit here about driver schools, one of the things that I do, is, you know, since I have not been behind the wheel uh, racing in anger uh, for the last couple of years, one of the things that I've been doing now since I think – 2007 is I've been with the exception of one year because of scheduling on the super tour uh, have been an instructor for the Washington DC regions uh, driver school. And I'll tell you, there is, there is nothing more exciting than seeing the eye, seeing the eyes and the expressions of those drivers, not, not before they go out on track the first time, but as they come back into the classroom for a debrief session, um, and then we break out and have our one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two right. little debrief sessions, and how wide-eyed they are, and how they, you know, you could see some of them, you know, they're gonna they're gonna be met for this. Some of them it may not be their calling, um, but there's just this excitement in the eyes, and I, and I love that, and and a lot of that really makes everything that I do around motorsports and around SCCA, I think, worthwhile. So I have a tradition when I instruct a school. I, I If I'm going to have two or three or four drivers, I bring uh, eight by 10 uh, foam board to, to the track. Okay. And at the end of the first session, I write down their first time with a Sharpie. 
second session, their best lap, third session, fourth session. And then I give it to them at the end to show them the progress they made. And I said, frame this and put this up in your race shop. You know, and and it's just that little touch. And th- th- when they look at it, they're like, you know, and a lot of times, you know, let's say a, a, a fast lap for whatever their class is, is a 155. Okay. And but they started at 205 and they ended up at 201 and then one, you know, 150, whatever the case may be, just to show them that they progressed, you know, and that's where I get the wide eyes like, really? I did that. And some of them have been following because I, I, I mm-hmm. tell people don't don't do your lap times. I tell your crew not to do lap times, right. you know, because it's not about lap times, no, you know, but at the not. end I show them the lap times, you know, and it works out really well. So good, good instructors are, and I'm not going to say that I'm a good instructor, but good instructors are really great to have at a driver's school. Mine was fantastic. My first solo school instructor was PD Cunningham. You know, I, I, I was lucky. I've lucky enough to have met PD a couple times, both as a fan and as a right. spectator. And uh, when I was coaching a, a Pirelli World Challenge driver his rookie year, got to meet him at the, at the banquet, and I got to interview him. At uh, he was uh, Grand Marshal uh, at the June Sprints a couple years ago, and got cool. to interview him and spent uh, spent time with a lovely, wonderful person. And, and I knew him when he was Petey. Now he's Peter. Peter, yes. yes. We have to call him Peter, and I give him crap about that every time I see him. So, all right. So this is a great time. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the new things you've got going on, as well as one other really cool thing that if I talk to you long enough, I'm going to get you to bring me on board to help you with. That's my goal in this, folks. Just be perfectly honest, right up front. So. We'll We'll do that when we come back. The news you're listening to inside the SCCA. I'm Brian Belansky. This is the Racing Wire Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Kelton Jago, and this is Inside the SCCA. When I need numbers for my autocross time trial or road race car, I go to autocrossdigits.com. Christian and his crew offer top quality magnetic and vinyl numbers. Their website is easy to navigate. The prices are great and most orders ship in four business days. If you need numbers for your car, check out autocrossdigits.com. Tell them the podcast guy sent you. Welcome back to Inside the SCA. Here's this week's headlines. The first Hoosier Tire Super Tour is in the books. Here are the results from Sebring. American Sedan. Thomas West won. He's from Standish, Maine. He's in a Cadillac CTSV, and he won both Saturday and Sunday. In B-Spec, John Phillips. He's from Sealy, Texas, and he was in a Toyota Yaris, and he won Saturdays. We have Corey Ruith, who was in a Mini Cooper. In the E-Production, we have Maximilian Opalski from Conifer, Colorado, and he won both Saturday and Sunday in a Mazda MX-5. F-Production, we have Ken Canyon from Sebring, Florida. He was in the Mazda Miata, and he won both Saturday and Sunday. H-Production race on Saturday, we have Liana Wright from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and a Mini Cooper. On the H-Production on Sunday, we have David Bowles from Melbourne, Florida, and a Volkswagen Golf. In Formula Atlantic, we have Kristen Lal-Doss from West Palm Beach, Florida, and a Swift, and he won Saturday's race. And on Sunday's race, we have Nathan Beard from Goodyear, Arizona, and he was in an Elan Pro Mazda. The Formula Continental, we have Tim Meyer from Fredericksburg, Virginia, in a Citation Ford on Saturday's race. On Sunday's race, we have Doug Rocco, who won from Sandersville, Massachusetts. He was in a Van Diemen. In Formula Enterprise 2, we have Charles Turner from Montpelier, Virginia. On Sunday's race in the same category, Orrin McAllister won from Mooresville, North Carolina. In Formula F, we have Norman Ayler from Gross Point, Michigan. He was in a Mygale, and he won Saturday's race. And Hugh Esterson from Watermill, New York, won in the same car on Sunday. 
In Formula B, we have Chris Jenner hand Hartford City, Indiana in a Vortec Volkswagen. He won both Saturday and Sunday. Formula X, we have Nathan Beard from Goodyear, Arizona in Elon DP08 on Saturday. Trevor Russell, also from Arizona, won on Sunday's race in a Van Diemen. In GT1, we have Jordan Bupp. He was in a Chevrolet Camaro, and he both won Saturday and Sunday's race. In GT2, we have Andrew Aquilante. He won Saturday's race, and he's from Tetra Springs, Florida. In GT2, we also have Tim Kedsman from Franksville, Wisconsin. He won Sunday's race. In GT3, we have Race Stephenson, and he won a Mazda RX-7 on Saturday's race. In GT3 as well, we have Ricardo Hollingshead. He won Sunday's race. In GTX, we have Jacek Muka from Highland Beach, Florida. He won the GTX category on Saturday. In GT Lite, we have Peter Shadowin from West Palm Beach, Florida in a Honda CRX on Sunday's race. In Spec Miata, we have Elodie Goulart from Shelton, Connecticut. He won Saturday's race. In the same category, Tyler Gonzalez won Sunday's race. In Spec Racer Ford, Brian Schofield won from Lakeville, Florida on Saturday. And on Sunday, James Gorey won from Jupiter, Florida. In Prototype 1, Chip Romer from Nevada won on Saturday and Sunday. And in, pro- in Prototype 2, Sherman Chow won on Saturday and Sunday as well. In Super Touring Light, we have Danny Stein from Florida. He won on both Saturday and Sunday in a Mazda MX-5. In STU, we have Thomas Noble from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and he won in a BMW Saturday. And on Super Touring Under for Sunday, we have Axel Cabria from Florida in a Honda Civic. In Touring 1, we have Mark Bowden from Buffalo Grove. He won Saturday's and Sunday's race. From Touring 2, we have Mike Bowden again. He won in a Porsche 911 on Saturday. And on Touring 2 for Sunday, we have Tim Kesman from Franksville, Wisconsin in a Porsche 911. In Touring 3, we have Rob Hines from Arlington, Virginia on both Saturday and Sunday. And on Touring 4, we have Marshall Mast. He won Saturday's race. In Touring 4, we also have Mark Cephalo, who won on a Mazda MX-5 on Sunday. The SCCA Virtual National Convention opens today. SCCA Connect 2022 begins today, January 21st. Today, you can tune into the annual meeting in the Car Culture versus Car Competitive session presented by Inside the SCCA Podcast, featuring SCCA President Mike Cobb, Haggerty CEO Mikhail Haggerty, and moderated by Brian Belansky. That's at 5 p.m. Central Time. That session is followed by the SCCA's Hall of Fame induction ceremony. The convention is free to members. Go to scca.com slash convention to register. If you would like some of your ratings news on the podcast, send the details in an email to raceannouncerbrian at gmail.com. For Inside the SCCA, I'm Alex Polanski. We're back on Inside the SCCA. I'm Brian Polanski. My guest, Greg Ginsberg. He's got a couple of, he's got a, a great new gig this year that we're going to talk about. But before that, I want to talk a little bit about e-racing. So you've been broadcast. This is the part that I'm trying to weasel my way in on, folks. Sure, Because uh, yes. I would love to do some e-racing announcing you know, uh, in, my, in my spare time, which I have absolutely none of. But uh, you, you're announcing e-races, which is kind of a new thing, at least on this side of the pond. It's really exploded since the pandemic started. So, yeah. so tell me how you got involved with that and how that whole system of works. Of course, yes. So, so it, it was interesting. I, I was actually the announcer at, I believe, what was the very last SCCA road racing event before pretty much every track in the U.S. Uh, shut down. I was at Virginia International Raceway for a North Carolina region uh, regional uh, race weekend. And, uh, and the next day, 
uh, SCCA announced that you know that they were going to be instructing the regions to hold off on future events, and it really didn't matter because most every single municipality that had a track was. This is yeah, doing it for them exactly, and and we never really knew when these tracks were going to open back up, and so. Uh, I was contacted by the folks in Topeka, Hayward Wagner, Andy Wolf, uh, who I had worked with uh, quite a bit, uh, quite a bit on uh, runoffs coverage, uh, primarily through qualifying, and uh, and they contacted both myself and also Larry McLeod, who I worked, uh, who was my partner for most of the qualifying sessions the last two or three years uh, for the runoffs. Uh, Larry's also the voice of uh, SCCA Solo Nationals, and uh, they said, hey. Um, we've got all these racers sitting at home. Uh, we can see that you know NASCAR is bringing in God knows how many people uh, because their their racers are on NBC doing doing iRacing, and we think it's high time to to start up a league, and we want you to announce. And so, uh, and I might also add that uh, we had Tom O'Gorman, uh, who's a multi-time national champion autocrosser. Uh, Pirelli World Challenge champion as well, uh, come along for with us as well uh, when he wasn't behind the wheel racing, but he was also doing a lot of the, the organizational work. And the SCCA wanted to uh, put together a league that they were calling the Esports Super Tour, uh, t- trying to build off of uh, some of the success that we had with the, the Hoosier uh, SCCA Super Tour. Uh, they got Hoosier on board. They got some other sponsors on board. And every Saturday from about uh, 1 o'clock Eastern to, God, almost, I think, like 8 o'clock at night, it seemed, or maybe 5 or 6 at night, we had five different races, five different classes. And, you know, the the neat thing, because as I had been... Uh, as I had been calling races originally at Summit Point, as I had been calling races on the the real life Super Tour, and I think Bob explained Bob Steele explained this to you how it we do right. and we have been doing somewhat of an MRN right. style broadcast. You know, you kind of follow the drivers and the cars around the track. We don't, you know, we have a lot of people trackside. We're not doing everything from a booth, but. Uh, you know, obviously, you, you when you're when you're calling uh, an i racing race, it is more like a traditional uh, television broadcast. We have multiple cameras, uh, sometimes controlled by one person, sometimes controlled by multiple people. You know, but you've got cameras around every corner sure. of the track, and it it ends up being much more like a traditional television broadcast. Uh, and so, it gave Larry and I. Uh, the opportunity to tell stories, to talk about the racer. You know, you were talking about, you know, having these great stories about and how, you know, somebody listens in that just saying their name on the air can be interesting. Well, you know, we've got all these SCCA racers. Some of them were, you know, road racers. Some of them were solo folks. Some of them were rally cross folks and time trials folks. And, you know, we had a number of folks that are typically just volunteers at our events, and they were behind the wheel and racing. And and we had copious, voluminous amounts of information about all these different drivers that we could highlight folks from week to week to be able to say, hey, we've got John Vogel, who is, or uh, 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 the Jenner Johns, you know, that are Formula V racers, and they did this at the national championship runoffs last year at Virginia International Raceway, and be able to to dig in a little bit more and give some more flavor to it was was great. We did that for two seasons, 
And unfortunately, um, uh, as everything started to open back up again and events were being held and uh, the staff sure. in Topeka that had been recently downsized because, you know, frankly, a 501c3, you know, is, is not immune to, uh, you know, to great losses of income. You know, we had to scale things back. Uh, uh, Topeka didn't want to continue yep. on past the third season. Um, we had another one of your guests, Steve Ray, on. Um, who has uh, who was actually the person that Topeka contacted originally to do the technical work on the iRacing side um, uh, to produce this series? Um, he's taken up the mantle, and uh, for the four, the now the we're in the midst of the fourth uh, season of the Ray Esports. Uh, racing league we're going to have our runoffs for for season four at virginia international raceway uh next tuesday night at 9 p.m uh or probably at 8 p.m eastern time uh so if this if this airs before uh uh before tuesday the uh i guess it'll be the 25th of uh, january and if it doesn't uh, i'm sorry you missed it but it'll be on t on youtube you can see uh, just search out for apex racing tv which is our broadcaster uh both myself and brian zanotti who is uh another racer from the washington dc area who's worked with us on the super tour before he and i have been doing this uh for multiple seasons and and it actually what stevie does with the uh, uh with the ray esports racing league really great uh one you have to be either an SCCA member, or you have to have made a sizable donation to the SCCA Foundation. Um, so, uh, again, lots of SCCA uh, members, uh, racers, volunteers, you name it. And then Larry and I, on Monday evenings, uh, on that same broadcast network, Apex Racing TV, uh, broadcast uh, a, a, a th three different series uh, that is that are sponsored by Rickmotech, which is a, a, a well-known uh, 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 e esports and and uh, virtual racing uh, equipment manufacturer, uh, and so we've been doing that now. Uh, I think actually Larry suggested to them that I <laughs> that I come aboard, and we've been doing that for a little over a year now. So when I do an e race and and. I, I, I hear my name get announced by the broadcasters at the start of the race when they do the rundown. And then I usually hear my name again when I'm the first car being lapped by the fast cars. So it, that's my excitement. I'm like, oh, yeah, it was me. That's me. Wave as, as I'm waving to them as they're going and, and coming by. So, uh, so yeah, no, I, I listen to these productions and they're so well done, you know, and I, I always. So do you have someone who's actually like queuing up yes. the replays for you and all that kind of stuff? OK, so there's a producer or a director. There, there's a producer talking in our ear, and you know, and part of the challenge, and and, and frankly, I guess it's not that much of a ch considered that much of a challenge anymore. The way I've seen hockey broadcasts done, the way I've seen basketball broadcasts done, the way I've seen uh, real life racing broadcasts done since uh, since some of the arenas have opened back up, where you have broadcasters that maybe thousands of miles away from where the real event is but the the challenge that we run into is our producer he may be in i think he is uh outside of las vegas uh brian uh when i'm announcing with brian he's in the washington dc area and i'm down in charlotte uh when i'm uh, when i'm announcing with larry uh, larry is up in uh, just outside of detroit michigan and so yeah you've got you know you've got internet lag you've got uh, all these challenges we're not looking face to face at one another so we have no visual cues we just kind of have to 
uh, you know, uh, not make it up as we go, but, you know, it, it really makes you attuned to what the other people are saying and what they're doing. And we have to be able to anticipate when our director might go right. to a replay. Uh, you know, but he's going to tell us in his ear that he's normal, you know, when he's going to do that for the most part. But, you know, we're, we sure. have to be ready. And the advantage is a lot of times, much like with a real life sports broadcast, he may have picked something up on a camera view that Larry and right. I didn't see. So, you know, we need him to come back and tell us what this right. is so that, right. you know, and, you know, to, I guess, go behind the curtain there so that the, uh, the viewer, you know, feels like, sure. you know, we're, we're in control. We know everything everywhere around the track. You know, I was producing newscasts for a uh, Los Angeles affiliate when the pandemic hit. And if you would have told me when I started my career 30 years ago, that I would produce a newscast from my spare bedroom, 25 minutes from the station I would have told you you had completely lost your mind. Yet, last March, I sat in my bedroom all night long because I was producing the 4.30 a.m. newscast, and I did it from my home. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, there were some challenges in that process because we essentially created a system overnight. You know, the, the we shut down all these unessential personnel going to the station on Friday, and they told us that we were going to start working from home on Monday. So we had an engineering team. Thankfully, you know, my station was owned by a network. So and every station around the country was going through these things. So they got the smartest people at the network to you had the you had the resources to, to come up with yeah. the ideas. And what we came up with for in three days was not what we had two or three weeks later. We evolved that process very quickly. Uh, and he, I just heard an announcement. We just did a story this week that the Olympics in Beijing coming up. Almost all of NBC's reporters are going to be in Stamford, Connecticut, not not at not in Beijing, not in not on site. Th that yeah. was unheard of at the last. Well, not at the last Olympics, because but at the one before that, you wouldn't even think about that. Everybody was going to the Olympics. So, so many things have changed. We've learned so much. Some of it is actually better, I believe. You know, and yeah. and so we've streamlined. We've learned different ways to do things. You know, we had to throw out the mentality of well, we've always done it this way because we just can't do it that way anymore. You can't do it. Yeah, so it doesn't it's, matter. It's really pretty pretty interesting how that has all worked out so uh and and i actually love listening to some of these broadcasts you know some of the the announcers not the one i'm talking to here get a little over the top and and they're yes. screamy and a little cringy and all of that but uh but, but some of them you know are every bit as professional uh, as you would hear you know when you tune on nbc sports or and, sky and i have and and some of the folks that I work with with one of the broadcasters, uh, he's based uh, based in the UK, has been has called the 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 real life uh, twenty four hours at the Nurburgring. He's been he's done Le Mans yeah. uh, Le Mans Radio. Yeah. I mean these these are professional folks that are just looking to you know maybe uh, maybe augment their income a little bit and and much like me finding a way to be close to the racetrack. Yeah. Uh, and close to the action when you're not actually able to get close to the racetrack. All right, so I'll be sending you my resume, and you can circulate it amongst all your friends. No, just kidding. Not really. Uh, <laughs> so now let's switch gears one last time, 
And sure. and this is kind of the reason why I was always going to have you on as a guest, but this is why we're doing it today because you you you, you launched some news on us. And by the way, the uh, the the broadcast that you were just telling us about this this uh, podcast is going to air on Friday the twenty first, so people will oh, be able to watch that. And and your little tease worked out perfectly there. So so, but what I want to talk to you about is you've been named the voice of the twenty twenty two TireRack.com SCCA Tire trials national tour presented by Haggerty. congratulations thank you very much otherwise known as ttnt for for those of us nice. that uh, get tongue-tied and twisted very easily so we haven't talked much on the podcast yet since we started about time trials at all so and i probably should not have tried to squeeze this into the last 14 minutes of the show we probably should have tried to do this a little bit earlier and and for those who do time trial don't worry this is not going to be the only discussion we have about time trials but for the uninitiated and me being one of them what is what what's a time trial event look like? Well, I might add, I might say to start off with that it is a great amalgam of motorsports enthusiasts. Uh, you know, the, you've heard for years when you go to road racing events. Gosh, I'd love to be able to get these folks that do track days and turn them into road racers and have them come out for us. Well, you know, some people like to get behind the wheel and do door to door road racing. They like the aggression. They they like the the format. But there are plenty of folks that want to bring their car to the track that, like me, I, when, I, when I said that originally I was doing track days and I was, I was progressing and right. maybe growing out of it a little bit, that, you know, time trials are a great competition. It's not door-to-door. There's a little bit less risk there. Um, but the, the, the great thing about time trials and how, you know, the SCCA has, has formed their program is there's a place for everybody and I think every car uh, for the most part. Uh, one of the things that is challenging for me as an announcer, when I, and I've been doing time trials events uh, for the North Carolina region uh, for a number of years. I have been anchoring with my friend Larry McLeod, uh, the SCCA time trials nationals that go on at uh, NCM, National Corvette Museum Motorsports Park, uh, for the last three years. And, uh, and uh, they are, I might want to say real quick, they are great partners of ours, and there was a huge amount of damage at that track, I'm sure Oh, yeah, yeah. Heard, uh, right outside the they're right outside. Uh, they're in Bowling Green, but right outside uh, across the street from the Corvette factory right. uh, and the museum where, you know, they had the huge sinkhole a couple years ago. And a lot of the facilities there were just absolutely decimated by that tornado. They are working and SCCA is helping uh, to make sure that we can still put on a great championship event. Uh, come the middle, come middle of May. But the the time trials program, we have it split up into a number of different categories: into the unlimited category, to the sport category, uh, to the tuner category, to the max category, and then in each category, you know, think of like IT, where you had ITA, right, B, right. C, uh, etc., uh, based on perfor- the performance envelope. Well, each one of these different categories uh, allows different uh, levels of uh, performance enhancement, or maybe doesn't allow. So we have some classes that allow you to uh, to do engine swaps or to put in multiple multi-adjustable shocks or put on rear wings or put on different aero in some classes that it is essentially a stock car. You know, for example, we have a lot of a lot of road racers that come out to the time trials events and they may have 
uh, an ITA or an ITS uh, car that you know puts down 130 horsepower, 150 horsepower, they get put into a, a max category because maybe they're running Hoosier racing tires because the majority of the different classes and the different cars that come out to our events are running those 200 tire wear rating uh, tires that are, you know, one, much less expensive, have longer wear. And, um, well, frankly, when you're done with the event, you can drive the car home right. if, you, you know, depending. And believe me, we still have a lot of trailer queens that show sure. up, but we have a lot of, a lot of drivers that much like doing a, a track day, drive their car to the track. They hang out with us all weekend. We have, uh, you know, we, we, I mentioned a couple times the great the, the great socials yep. on Saturday nights. We have, uh, we have, uh, we call him Chef Stephen Stephen Miller, who comes out and cooks this huge spread of barbecue uh, every single time trials national tour event uh, with uh, this smoker that he has is like a 1950s refrigerator with uh, exhaust headers on the sides of it, and uh, he and his father and his mother and i might add that steven's got a a wife and kid and you know he's close to my age he races at the time trials events his father uh races at the time trial events and they put on this huge spread and we've got lots of volunteers the racers that come and help put this stuff on together and it's really just as much as i i like to talk about my track family family and all the great things at road racing events our time trials events really it's like one big family and uh, but but getting back to like the on track competition uh, typically, you're going to find like a 20-minute session uh, for the drivers to go out. The challenge as a competitor, and that I see, and what makes things very difficult for me uh, as an announcer, is we typically will send drivers and group drivers uh, based not on what class they're in, uh, but what their capabilities are. The folks that have a, a much longer resume right. of track events and time trial events, they may be in the advanced group. You know, or advanced groups as we move down, and we typically will have um, three or sometimes four different groups uh, based on uh, uh, based on proficiency. And so, what that means is you may have somebody in your class that you're not on track with. So you don't necessarily have anything to gauge by other than, you know, much like I right. do, to try and look at the times afterwards and see where where the other cars in your class that may have actually been spread across three different groups, where where you figure against them. So is it is it uh, one car at a time like a solo or is it like more like a track no. day where you do a it's, session, it's 20 minutes long and your best lap in that session is what you is what goes it. towards it? That's that's exactly what okay. it is, and we'll send out uh, we'll send out all of these cars, uh, and 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 actually there are two parts to the SCCA time trial program, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll delineate on that in just a moment, uh, but yes, we send the cars out. One of the things that we uh, and there's uh, each group has an instructor or instructors. Um, you know they're not going to be getting in the car with you, uh, but they're trackside. They see what's happening. They get reports back from the corners. You know to see where drivers may be having issues and after every session there is a debrief 
for all the students. So this is a this is a learning environment as well. Um, but we'll send the drivers out. They will have what is called a gap lap uh, to essentially think of it like an out lap, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, uh, on a on a test day or a practice day. But these drivers, they're they're being instructed how to leave room between themselves and the driver ahead, uh, so that they don't run up on one another uh, over the course of one of these time trial sure. sessions. And we typically do that. We run a couple of test sessions or practice sessions on the first day to get an idea of the relative speeds of the different drivers so that we can send them out fastest to slowest so that they're not going to run up on each other. But that's, but that's only part of the program. Uh, What we do at most of these events um, besides the, the, and that's what we call the time attack sessions uh, is we also have what we call track sprint sessions and think of it as a small, I guess almost the equivalent of a solo um, or an autocross, except on the racetrack. We're not putting up cones. Right. We're not making them weep in and out. Um, but we're taking a portion of the track, uh, let's say at Virginia International Raceway, uh, for example, uh, where we will start the rate. We'll start the drivers uh, on the uh, uh, right out. For those of you that know Virginia International Raceway, coming out of Turn Five, the area known as Snake, okay. that goes under the uh, under the bridge. You go up through the S's. And you go through South Bend and around through Oakless Tree or Oak Treeless, right. as some of the people like to call it now. And then you trip the lights, and that is your lap. And basically, we we take uh, we take each driver's best time attack sessions. We send uh, each driver out for usually two or three runs on these track sprints, and that is like a separate timed piece of it. And, you know, at the end, we, we add together all their mm-hmm. times and the, the drivers with the lowest times uh, uh, have that. And, and it's, you know, interesting because, you know, we use the typical transponders like the road racers do for the time attack sessions. But we've got the lights and everything else set up like, for, like a, a solo cool. event uh, to run these track sprints. And so it's, it's really cool because, you know, as these drivers have run a full race course, and again, we'll use VIR, for example, you know, a 3.27 mile, 17 turn course. And you know that section of the track um, where they're starting the 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 uh, the track sprint. It's much different when you enter that section of the track going, you know, seventy miles an hour right. as if you were running a full lap versus starting from a standstill. Um, and you know, and what ends and how things end up very different. And even to the point where uh, for the time trials nationals at N- at NCM, what we do because of the sheer number of competitors we have, we'll actually have an east and a west setup okay. uh, for the track sprints. And you'll get three runs on the east side. You'll get three runs on the west side. And again, those get added into your cumulative time. So it's I, I mean, it makes things very very interesting and mixes it up quite a bit. Uh, for the drivers, because you know, again, there, there are there are some cars that you know have a horsepower advantage at a track that has very long straightaways, or maybe they have a a handling advantage. You know, the track sprints slowing things down quite right. a bit. You know, some you know really and and making and 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 so that you have to learn to maybe adjust your lines a little bit and throttle application and you name it. It, it really puts a a big uh, it, it throws everything up in the air for sure. a lot of these drivers. Sure. So one of the things that I want to do with the podcast is I want to take 
it over time to every national championship event that the club does and and be able to be part of the event, not only as a podcaster, but also as a competitor. So so I just got uh, uh, I just got my numbers today from autocrossdigits.com. Want to give oh, them great. a shout out. They were one of the folks that helped us out with our 12 days of Christmas uh, thing. And I opened the box and they look fantastic. So if anybody needs magnetics or stick on numbers, uh, go check out autocrossdigits.com. Uh, give those folks a call or, or go to their online website. Fantastic people. And the quality was beyond what I was ever expecting. So such good, such good group there. But uh, but so there's going to be a national tour event out here at Buttonwillow in the fall. Yes. And I've got that circled on the calendar as my first national tour event. So I don't Excellent. know what I have to do to yeah, qualify I'm- for that. I'm working on that out. But, uh, you know. Well, I, I think I think uh, well, if you've, you've got a pulse, so I think. Oh, is good. that the, uh, the qualifying criterion? <laughs> I I have a feeling that John Hunter is probably going to uh, send me a nasty gram <laughs> in the morning once he, uh, or or maybe Saturday morning once he hears this. No, that that is uh, certainly not the case. But uh, you know, it's not like it's not like being a road racer. You don't have to go to a competition school and get signed off with a competition license. Uh, you know what we what we again what we try to do. We try to be inclusive. We want to bring people into the program. And, you know, again, we're going to put you on track with people that are commensurate with your amount of experience, and we're going to help coach you up if you need it. And so... Uh, I mean that's that's the plan. So that event at uh, uh, at Button Willow, and I can't wait to get back out there. Uh, I think we've got the the Super Tour. Well, I would be out there for the Super Tour event if I was still with the, uh, the Super Tour. I think they're coming out in February, but uh, I'll be out there to see you uh, October 29th and 30th, which is when we have that yep, event. Got it circled on the calendar. We're gonna come out and play with you guys and do some podcasting, and and you're gonna help me pick out some folks to talk to while I'm there, and, and that will be an additional to the, the stuff that we're doing on. Time trials, so I, I'm really, really looking forward to that. So uh, we are we are on the clock here, and we okay. we could t- probably talk for another half hour. It looks like there's one more I'm thing sure you want to squeeze in before we go. Well, well, first off, I want to mention if you want to find out more about the time trials program, please go to timetrials.scca.com. Uh, you'll see the the schedule there. Uh, we've opened up registration for our first event of the year. Thankfully, blissfully close to me down in Charlotte. It's at uh, uh, Carolina Motorsports Park in Kershaw, South Carolina. That is going to be March 26th and 27th. And one of the the great things that we're going to be doing, of course, you know, SCCA has been obviously trying to build the time trials program. We've also had uh, the Track Night in America program going around to all different tracks all around the country, trying to get people out to racetracks, you know, make it easy for them to do it. Maybe after work, in the evenings, what have you, as opposed to having to take an entire day uh, to put your car on track. Uh, we are going to be opening up some sessions for uh, non-time trials drivers at that event as cool. well. So uh, it's going to be a great thing. So again, it's uh, timetrials.scca.com. And you can see that we've got the schedule right there and a lot of information about the different uh, the different categories of cars, what they do. Uh, there are, there. Are, I'll be perfectly honest, there are a lot of cars that are classed um, in different categories. There are a lot of cars that aren't classed. When I wanted to, uh, this past fall, take my Acura on track uh, at a time trials event, I found that it wasn't classed. So we have a, uh, you know, we have an email address there that you can send off and, uh, uh, you know, 
you know, it's not like it's not like SCCA road racing where you have to send a, a VTS sheet and it has to go through six different boards. And a year and a half later, you find out how the car is classed and, you know, and, and what has to be done. It's a, a much, much easier process. Again, we want to get you on track. Well, and, and I can attest to that because I just couldn't. Well, I, I was surprised that my, my little Honda Civic, the, the year and wasn't one of the cars classed for a time trial. And I clicked the button and it was like. 10 seconds, three questions, hit send, and it'll get taken care of. It, there was not a difficult process at all. So uh, I will, I can attest to that. Uh, Greg, I got to tell you, this has been fun. It has. We're going to have to do it again. So it's been it's been too many years brian i think we we definitely and and we've 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 got some plans uh which is nice to uh you know as you mentioned i i think this this will not be the last time we talk about the secca time trials program and uh, i definitely look forward to the opportunity of working on working with you for that sounds great sounds great that's going to do it for this week's episode of inside the secca if you like what you're hearing subscribe to the racing wire podcast network so you won't miss an episode it would also be great if you would leave a comment especially if it's a good one if it's not put that on someone else's podcast page you can send it or so you can send it to greg there you go you can follow us on social media to find out who our next guest is leave a question on twitter it's at waste racing wire net there's a new inside the scca every week from the big daddy g-dub broadcast center i'm brian Bolanski. this is inside the scca and go play with cars i'm abby Shear, and when i'm on my way to an autocross i listen to the inside the scca podcast Inside the SCCA is a presentation of the Racing Wire Podcast Network and Rural 15 Productions. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or sponsored by the Sports Car Club of America. The views expressed within are those of the host and our guests and not that of the SCCA.